Welcome to the Basketball Missionary Podcast. I'm with my guy, my man, my business partner, my brother, Ryan Fabella, a.k.a. Ryan Fabulous. Enjoy myself. Doing good. Uh, we wanted to recap the two conferences we ran last year, Committed to the Crabs and Committed to the Gospel. One was focused on coaches and trainers, and the other one was on uh, basketball ministry, sports ministry from all backgrounds. Um, a lot of people don't know that Ryan is the man who really made this thing go. My brother executed everything. He went through it with me. I honestly, I couldn't have done it without him. And so he has his own unique view from executing it. Um, he was in front of the camera. He was behind the camera. He was getting all the details together. Really what I came to him and said, man, like, this is my vision. This is what I want to accomplish. Uh, he made it happen. So. He's extremely talented, gifted, and is all right. So I thought it's only right that I bring Ryan on and we recap both conferences. Kind of what we learned from it. Very excited to make announcements of the next conference committed to the craft 2023 in mid-June. Moving it to San Diego, our hometowns. That's, that's the wild thing when we first met each other. With that gift from San Diego. Yeah. And does anyone else know that you're from San Diego? I don't know. So my, let's put it like this. My hometown is Louisville. It's where I grew up. I consider that home. But my birth city is San Diego. And and it's so wild. So anyway, we're going to get into it. We're going to talk about things we learned. And uh, hopefully this brings value to you, uh, both from a standpoint of, of faith, vision, uh, what you guys are going through, because we really uh, did something that scared us. When I came to Ryan, I said, man, I want to do something that scares me. And, and this is kind of what we came up with in, in the whole process. So I, I will say, let's rewind back. Uh, we actually uh, took a trip to Nashville. We had, a, we had an ice storm in Louisville. We decided to go to Nashville. And that is kind of where we locked in uh, Phil Handy. He said yes to it. Gannon Baker said yes to it. And we were like, all right, man, I guess... I guess we're doing it. And kind of from there, we, we spent about, I don't know, four or five months planning it. And you want to talk about just that whole process, what we learned to actually run a huge event if someone's kind of trying to host a huge event. Yeah, I, I kind of even want to step back to like just the idea itself. Because I, I think we had a conversation the year prior and I'm a person to where there's an idea, like I like to pursue it and, and do it. And we, we talked about the previous year. I was like, yeah, 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 well, let's do it. Let's do it next year. And I thought that was going to be prolonging in the conversation that we had um, this, this same year during the conference. It was like, okay, now we're actually going to make it happen. And so him initiating those conversations with the keynote speakers and getting that going. Um, and like you said, locking that into Nashville was, was really like, okay, now it's a real deal. And so with steps from my background, when I was 18, I threw a, a streetwear expo. A streetwear expo is like a clothing event, live tattooing, a car showcase back in San Diego. And so I've always had a passion for those types of things. And, and it was a really successful event, really awesome event. So when I came to Phil, I had that expertise. It wasn't like I was, didn't have anything to do with those types of events. So when he was said he was nervous about it, I was actually very excited and all to it because that was a part of my skill set. And so once we really got that going, it was, it was really just executing it. What was the big idea or was, what do we need to execute? And him had in the front end, bidding, getting those big speakers and having the vision for it. 
and me on the back end executing those small little details and making it a really unique thing. Since I'm not from the training world, uh, that's where I really think we complement the most. And so that's where I really like to bring back the whole story of like, we've had these conversations in the past with the previous years, but then now we're like actually doing it, yeah. having these conversations with these big people. Um, it was a huge step for, I think, both of our careers. So like, this is actually what we're doing now. Uh, separate from the training, but now bringing all the trainers together and how can we learn from everyone else. And I think it's important to state, we really did not know if this was going to afford account. Like it was a complete risk uh, where I didn't know if we were going to pull it. Because the thing is, it's like the financial commitment to make something like this happen, to bring in speakers, to organize an event. So we were really taking a leap of faith you know, it turned out to be one of the dopest things we ever did. But on the front end, before we knew we could make it happen, we really had to commit to this saying like, okay, we, this may not work out if it may flop. Um, we, we may lose a lot of money on this event, you know, which thankfully we didn't at all. And we did all right. And, it, and then more importantly, we knew like the power of bringing all those people together. Like what that would do. I had no, I had a, a decent idea, but I had no idea the compound effect of bringing people together. I think that's maybe the first thing I could say I learned was, you know, you don't always have to be the star. You know, you can be the person that brings stars together. You can be the person that plays your role and becomes a star in your role. And for me, it was very important that I was not one of the keynote speakers. Yeah. Uh, I did not, no disrespect to, to anyone else, but I did not want to feel like I was riding a wave of other people and I had not earned the right to be on that stage year one. Meaning, I didn't feel like I should have been a keynote speaker with a Ralph Fodor, with a Gannon Baker, with a Phil Handy. You know, I really wanted to learn and host the party. You know, I got the house. You know, if everybody bring all the food over, you know, it's a potluck, but I didn't want to be the guy that inserted myself there. You know, at class be above a Bible verse that it, it's better to be humble and sit in a normal seat than to walk in and sit in the seat of honor only for someone to say, hey, that's not your seat, man. It's not your time. Go back down to here. So I didn't want to sit in the seat of honor. I just felt honored that me and you could run this conference together and that we brought in for the first time ever these guys that I consider like the goats these are my basketball development heroes brought the ball into our hometown and our, our our backyard so I think that was the first thing that I really learned is how crucial it is to have self-awareness of who you are and, and you don't have to always try to search yourself above where you're at in life you know or chase clout you can actually just be humble and be like, man, I, I would just be honored to host it and learn. Yeah, which I think is hard, at least specifically for the, the trainers in the industry, and you can probably second that, is where everyone's worried about themselves and they can't grow outside of that to where it's, it's kind of an ego game where I'm better than this trainer. I can't give these people my secrets because they're still my clientele, whatever it is. And for you to realize that, just bring everyone together and, and learn from because I think you've learned so much from Phil, Van, and Rob outside of the event, but also in your friendships with them, the conversations with them, in the hotel lobby with them. Um, 
I mean, you're the one, you're almost like the kid taking notes again. Yeah. And I think that's what this event really did was like open people's eyes like, hey, you don't need to hold all these things together. If you're able to network with all these amazing people around you, which we, I mean, we met so many people from all, in a sense, all over the world with different countries and different states. Um, everyone has a different story. Everyone has a different background. Everyone has different expertise that we can learn from each other. And I think the basketball industry, at least the training industry, is so separated. But I think our event brought people together and said, hey, now let down your guards. And at least, at least for the first day, that was probably the hardest part was like letting those guards down. Definitely. Yeah, so that, that's where me stepping into the industry, even though I'm not like in the industry, working off of you or working with you with Himsure Christ, it was like, is a new opening for me. It was like a new realization, like, hey, this is what the training industry, in a sense, needs as like a brotherhood, as a community that they don't really truly have. And so that's what my favorite thing was bringing that unique aspect to it. It was amazing too, like how as the conference moved on, it turned into very, it turned into separate people from 35 states, five countries to almost a family intimate environment. Dude. And I'm about to go out to Seattle with Martin Anderson. Shout out, Martin Anderson. Uh, we're doing a camp together in Seattle. I met him at the conference. He made a great point. What you just said, it's very hard to network with people you view as your competition. So with basketball trainers, most of us come from a competitive playing background or coaching background. So it's in our nature to keep score. Like one has to lose, one has to win. And I think we saw that up front in the beginning where it was hard for people to come together and, and like you said, share their secrets and realize, dude, we're, we're all going through the same thing, you know, and we don't have to necessarily be competition. In other words, I don't need you to lose for me to win. Yeah. And I think what helped it was we were from different cities. I had very few people from my hometown there. It was it kind of, goes into what we're talking about, man. I couldn't even get my hometown to really get behind it and support it in the basketball community. But you had people flying in from other countries and cities. So us knowing they were not in the same city competing for the same clientele in the same market, you know, but allowed us to come together. You know, I think that's the next thing I learned I ever kind of put down was that we actually all deal with the same problems. That's kind of steered our whole focus with us working together, trying to provide value is we all deal with the same problems. We're all dealing with the same problems. If it's a trainer, you're dealing with uh, pricing issues, cancellations. Do I do packages? Do I do a membership program? Uh, and instruction. Man, get key gems, dude. Can I get gym space? Building my client. I mean, it doesn't matter who you were. We were, as we got to know and talk to each people and hear their story, we're hearing the same thing over and over that we are all done with the same problem. So even in the committed to the gospel, uh, it's like we're all out there on the island. We all have a passion and a desire to use basketball to make an impact for the Lord or, or their sport for it, but we're all dealing with the same uphill plot. It's just when you think you're the only one going through it on an island, it's easy to get discouraged. And I think that was the power that was in the conferences in those weekends was I got to see, man, I'm going through it. They're going through it. And I think in a way with you helping me so much with, with a lot of the branding and how we use social media, they viewed what I do with Worcester Price or with basketball training is like, we figured it out. 
And we joke, we're like, man, if you got any advice, tell me, because I definitely figured it out, man. We're putting out fires every day, trying to just on the fly adjust. So I don't know how you felt about that, but that's definitely that we all deal with the same problems. That's something I learned. Yeah, and I, I think we have it in the, the first two podcasts with Gannon as far as opening up and letting people in. Like, I met Philip how long? Four years? A blur. Yeah. It's about that time. And only until, until I would say last year, maybe in the beginning of last year, where he's opened up even more. Like, I used to do videography for him a little bit here and there. Uh, but once we built that relationship, he let me more in. Because obviously, I have a lot of the skill sets. But as a trainer, you're like, this is, in a sense, like, it's like a baby, like the business and everything. But once he let me into it, and I say, oh, I could solve this problem, this problem, this problem or we could do this conference and do these things, it was, I mean, I think it's an eye-opener because now he sees what I could do because he can't do everything and I can't do everything. That's why the conference, I mean, if everyone knew it, it was, it was literally me and him at coffee shops every single day. So for people to think like, oh man, they must have a huge team. And obviously we have the train to the stuff, but like for the conferences, it was just me and him. Having these conversations, seeing what the vision is, what do we need to do for it? And a huge checklist that feels like it never ends, which that's the funny part. Like these checklists never end. Yeah. Um, but like really opening up your business to like the only way you can expand your business and grow your business is if you let other people in. And whatever you're not good at, find those other people that are good at that. And we're even doing that more this year. Um, so I just, I just think realizing that as a trainer and seeing what you value, what you want to do with the business. And Gannon says it really well. I mean, almost the first day you need to open up and say, hey, I need to add, I need this or I need that. Because mm-hmm. um, that's the part where people feel like they're all by themselves because they feel like they have to do everything. Um, but the sense of the community that we're building now, I think it's showing people like, no, I need to let people in. If it's, even if it's a kid that helps me on social media or some kid that does videography or some mom that does adding stuff, it's like that's where you can now focus more on sales or training or development or networking. And so you don't have to, figure out all the other things that the other person is doing. Um, so that's just my big tip for, for trainers is really just opening up. Cause I think that's helped both of us. Cause we would not be here without you letting me in. Man, is this thing on? <laughs> I'm telling you, find people that are gifted in areas that you're not gifted in. You cannot scale yourself. And you saw this with me, getting to know my family, man, I was stuck trying to catch up with the messages, the text messages. And that was like, you took that's for another podcast another day, but you took that off of my plate by saying, yo, we can, we, we got a text messaging app. We've got a, a booking service, a booking app, and we can create this. And so I think that's how I know, man, God's in my life, bro, because you solved so many of my problems that again, we, so many basketball trainers, small businesses deal with because we're, we're, we're in the hamster wheel, man. We're doing what we love, but it's the tedious work that keeps us tied down of keeping things going. That's it down, tunnel vision, which is right. It gets you far. But there's so many other things around you that, that you know, see. So that, that story, and I'll touch on a little bit. We were in Nashville, and I just see Philip just texting away. You know, we're, we're at dinner, and, you know, there's nothing wrong, but he was handling business. And it, it's just funny because to him, that was so normal to him. It was so the everyday grind for him. And to me, since I was sitting outside, I wasn't in that too much into the business at that time. And so it was like, if you have people around you that can see those things and benefit, like, just let them in because, dude, man, I can't imagine. We couldn't, be, we couldn't have run the, co- like, it, it gave me bad time. 
Like, but you, you help me understand that. Like, it's not even that, hey, you're spending money for someone else to do something for you. It was, no, dude, you're going to get that time back. And then with that time, think about what you can create or do or what kind of impact you can have. And we could have not have run the conference if prior to that, we didn't change our whole business model. So like membership base with the texting app and the booking app. And um, it took me years to figure that out, but you you definitely did. And I missed, I missed that process well with meeting in the coffee shops. I'm glad we're running it back. You know, I, I just missed the whole process of the growth spur, like how much we learned. You know, I don't know if you want to add something to as far as what you learned from running the cop, but just from your plug. The biggest thing I learned, especially like meeting on the day to day basis, was the fact is it's not necessarily about the who is right about things. Uh, I've had d different business ventures with different people, and the reason why me and Philip work so well is it's not if like, okay, you're right, or I'm right, and we're going back and forth, and we never get anything done. To where Philip will say a vision, if I agree with it, let's just go with it and roll with it. But say, hey, there's maybe a little tweak with it, but I respect his opinion, he respects my opinion. And that's where we're able to get these things done very fast and very seamlessly, because it's not an like ego thing. It's not like, oh, I got him right, that's the only way to do it. Like he's opened up as a perfectionist, and I'm the opposite of a perfectionist. And, and somehow we're able to work very well together because he's let down his dark to where he doesn't have to be a perfectionist in everything. And sometimes, for my opinion, I'm trying to be a perfectionist as well. So we kind of meet in the middle in that aspect. Um, so if you do have a business partner or different business mentors, it's, it's a give and take. It's almost like a marriage too. It's a give and take and you have to figure out those things. But if we're able to work as a team and say, this is what we need to get done, and we don't need to spend five hours, like there's a different thing for us around these people and they were talking about one simple thing, and this is where I just had to almost disassociate myself with it. Because they'll talk about the same thing for three hours and not get anything done. And they go on the next day and talk about the same problem again. Yeah. Because um, they, they say it's like there's too many cooks in the kitchen or the, that, the same aspect. Um, to where it's like, Philip can say an idea, then we just have to execute it. It doesn't matter how we do it. It's we're both on the same page supporting it because it's still a bigger vision. Like wherever Philip's trying to bring us, like that is the bigger vision that we're trying to do. It's not like he's trying to ruin everything. And I think a lot of people are either pessimistic or very negative in those aspects. Cause it's always like, give, 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 this is all mine. But I just think that's the wrong way to live. So that's the biggest thing that the reason why we're able to accomplish the two conferences and now what we're doing this year, bring it to Wooden City. Yeah, whatever I said. So we didn't jump in and go like, now we wouldn't be able to do that without trusting each other. Cause he was like, man, do we think we could do this in San Diego? And I'm like, yes, we can do this in San Diego. Even though he was hesitant, he still trusted in me in that process. Um, so that's my biggest thing, like bringing to our hometown or birth town, like that's gonna be a huge accomplishment for us. And I think we're gonna have, you know, we had a great first event and I think we're gonna even have a, a bigger event next year. And this can then even bring into like an international tour uh, with the conference. And I, I just think it's gonna open up more doors, but that's because me and him are working it. I cannot do this conference at all without him. And I think he can say the same thing about me. Um, and that's why, you know, we're able to accomplish so much is because we trust each other. Well said. Next thing that I learned was the best are always learning from each other. This was crazy. You remember this. Phil Handy, Gannon Baker, Rob Fodor, and us are sitting around talking. And as we're talking, I believe the first time I met at, and we were in the hotel that morning at breakfast. 
man, talk about a bucket list. What a practice. We're talking about crypto. I hate it. We're, we're talking about basketball. We're talking about the NBA. We watched the NBA finals the night before. The best always want to learn from each other. Rob was saying something, and then Gannon stopped up. Remember, just grabbed his notebook. Out of nowhere, he pulls up. I said, where did that penny come from? Pulled it out of his night. And he starts taking notes yeah. as we're all talking. Like, say that again. Took his knock. And the whole weekend, what I noticed was there was no insecurity. It was a buffet of feast, you know, to sit around and talk and learn from each other and hear how, what do you guys do with the Lakers? What do you guys do with the Heat? Gannon, what would you do in this situation? And how refreshing it was to see these men, which is eye-opening for me, of how they're talking with each other. You know what I mean? Like I felt like a kid learning. Reminds me of a story that took you when I was younger, uh, a new Christian. I had an older missionary who spoke at a church. He invited me to come with him. And I went with him there and he brought his two sons. Um, they couldn't have been older than seven years old, you know, maybe like five and seven. And we sat down after I went to that church service, we're talking and he set his two sons down. And he told him, he said, this is how grown men talk to each other and fellowship. And I want you guys to sit here and be quiet and listen. And his son sit there and say a word for like an hour. Just listen to me and this other gentleman. He's pouring in me, talking to me about the Lord, you know, pray for each other. And that always impacted me. Now I got two boys myself of like, this is how they do it. So I felt like I was that kid with those guys watching them learn from each other. And here's the beautiful thing, man. When I first pick up Phil Henny from the airport, he's riding the car when we back to the hotel. He's asking me questions about how I ran our program, what I do, taking interest in me. You know, great humility, very gracious. And I took that away. I learned that. That was powerful for me. I don't ever feel like I would have been in a in a mindset to ever big dog or act like I'm above somebody. I definitely, you know, pray to God, I never had that kind of pride in my heart, but to see them at the very top of the game, you know, he just left from training LeBron. Comes to Louisville, never met me before and treated me like a brother from day one, but to see them talk to each other, they all met each other for the first time right there at the conference in Louisville and how much humility they had in their desire to learn from each other, not flex. This is how smart I am. This is what I cop. No, they ne never, they always dismiss that and like, man, what kind of from you? Yeah. So I don't know how you feel about that, but that, that blew me away. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, watching the NBA finals with them was, was probably one of my favorite moments because, you know, when, when Gannon brought out the notebook and, and Rob's talking about his philosophy on shooting, I mean, you look at Phil, and everyone looks at Phil as the top of the top, treating the best players in the world, and he is just soaking in and asking those questions for Rob because Rob's breaking down the absolute science of shitting and just makes, makes it seem so simple because he's so educating it to and he spent his whole lifetime for it. But just Phil was just asking questions, almost like a kid in the class, and it was just, it's so remarkable to see because I think that's where the trainers, they go into where they think, hey, I know everything, I know everything. But how is the trainers at the top of the top 
being like that? How are they asking those questions? How are they just soaking in? But I think the other thing was just they're just listeners. Yeah. And that, that was always the biggest thing I've always taken away from my life. You cannot learn when you're about to make. You can only learn when you're listening. And that's what I learned from those guys is those guys listen. Even, even when people are way below them, they still sat there and listened because they could still always learn something from someone else. And, uh, and that those are the special moments. Yeah. I, I really appreciate every moment with Phil, Rob. Dude, I, were you in the locker room when Rob was talking about telling the trainer to listen? Were you, okay, you were upset. We were in the locker room. This was before our camp. So we had uh, Rob, Gannett, and Phil before they did our camp. And we were in the locker room talking. And there was a few other trainers in there. And Rob called a trainer out. And he was like, you know, most people don't listen. They just wait for their chance to talk. Listen. Uh, and he says, kind of like you. <laughs> and he's like, cause, and I noticed that like, he's constantly trying to insert himself. And it was what we talked about. Like he wasn't actually listening. He was just trying to be like, hey, I don't, I, I do this. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I do that too. Yeah. And constantly inserting himself and rock. Wait for a minute. This is how cerebral Rob is and was like, yeah, kind of like you. Like every time we say something, you're not listening. You're just waiting for your chance to talk to prove how smart you are. And I was like, man, you could cut the air with a knife. I was like, why? But it was so true. Most people don't listen. They wait for an opportunity to insert themselves, which brings me to my next point. In this conference, the trainers that were most established, obviously we're talking about the big three, but other ones, there was no insecurity and none. There was no ego in the sense, they had an ego in the sense of like, I wanna be great, I'm committed to the craft, I'm committed to what I do as a professional. But there was no ego in the sense of like, I'm better than you or I'm insecure. And they were freed to bring value to everybody, to listen to everybody. And more importantly, how personable each one was. They understood people came to see them, hear them, talk to them, learn from them. So they opened the floor, they mingled, they, they never hid. They were always out in the open talking to people the whole time. And it kind of reminds me of the first day. So what we did, was we did our networking event to kick off the conference, but what we didn't foresee was, this is not like ministry, like my ministry event, this is what we do, relationships is what we do. Yeah. But the basketball trainers event, you know, everybody's kind of like, standing off to the corner. Where did that guy have? Where is he from? Where are you? I seen him on the IGD. How many followers he got? Yeah, yeah. I mean, but I got a lot of worse than him. I feel better about myself, but I, we literally had, especially a couple of the, the younger guys that were new to the training game. The event, me and you are walking around, we got boots, man, we got, we got shooting competitions, we got all this stuff going, we're thinking this is gonna be, the floor's gonna be hot, everybody, and dude, a lot of them just sat in the bleachers, wouldn't get them. And I had specifically one player, he actually ended up posting about this thanking me later on that I did this, because he was so nervous, I got him up off the bleachers. I went over and introduced myself to him. Hey, I'm Phil, where you from? Cool, tell me about your program. 
hey man, I got a couple trainers over here, a couple of my boys that I knew, uh, other older established trainers. Said, hey, let me come over here and introduce you to this powerful. And they ended up like taking this young guy under their wing the whole weekend. Like they were going out to eat, hanging with them. And he had been to other basketball conferences, coaches conference, trainer conference, said, but he had never experienced anything like when he was there. He said, because that was the highlight. When he, when someone took the time to get to know about, you know, introduce him, wasn't like, oh, you know, flexing. There was no insecurity and it was all love after that. And that is something I picked up from the conference, from the older, more established trainers, more successful, further along, is that he goes in check. You know, they're not insecure. Who, who was that one person that, that gave you that one piece of advice to not be like the speakers, to stay away, but to go into the crowd and spend the time with them during the crowd? Yeah. Who, who said that? Uh, CJ Bahaney. I was in a Starbucks preparing for the Committed to the Gospel. So for context, we ran Committed to the Craft in June of 2022. Three months later in mid-September, I ran Committed to the Gospel the sports ministry conference. And the week of the conference, you know, it's stressful leading up to the conference and trying to figure it out. Numbers were a lot lower. And I, I was even, you know, if I was spring, I was even going through periods of like, man, should I cancel? And in walks a pastor very well known. And I noticed him at the corner of my eye. He sits down and he's at a, he's having a meeting with someone else and I'm, I'm or if you're plugging away, working on the details, I go up to get my Starbucks and uh, at Phil Lux, excuse me, Phil Bucks. And I stalled out. I said, hey, CJ, don't want to interrupt. Just want to introduce myself. I went to their conference, which was committed to the gospel, uh, the largest pastor conference in the country. It was uh, committed to the, no, excuse me, together for the gospel. Committed to the gospel go. We see that in forensics. And when he was done, he came over to talk to me, poured into me. Uh, I don't think I told you this, bro, but he actually sent me like books, like three or four books, a handwritten letter, everything. And, but he gave me that advice. He said, Phil, if people are coming to this force ministry conference, don't make it about you. It could be a very, very self-serving thing to win a conference because you're up on stage, you're on a pedestal. Make sure you go among the people, you know, so. Anyway. Well, to, me, to me, that was powerful because I think a lot of people, especially they're throwing in events, you know, they feel like, especially in the beginning of the conversation, they just want to be, it's like an ego trip. Like, oh, I did this, talk about this. But Philip was, you know, even though he got that advice before the kid, the gospel one, but Philip came into the craft, I still felt like he did the same thing. Yeah. I mean, you were very intentional with every single person you talked to, you integrated everyone. It wasn't like Philip came in, obviously, he just hit 100K, just gave at least his reward there. Um, but he doesn't have a big head at all. Like, he's, he is uh, very personal with everyone. And I think that's why everyone loves and appreciates Philip, uh, is, is the way he is and how he approaches people, how he appreciates people, how he learns from others. And it, it, it puts them on as well. Uh, so I just want to really that because I think it's a poor message for anyone, either throwing a business or just being a trainer itself, uh, is to be that person that, that welcomes everyone. Man, I got one, one last thing that I want to cover. And that was really, uh, 
It was solidified at the committed to the gospel. For me, I had so much more clarity because it had been three months. Uh, I felt like I jumped on a rocket ship after that conference because I was traveling and, and getting more opportunities to, to speak or to train wherever it was um, in different cities. But, and it was when we closed the committed to the craft conference out and we did the VIP dinner, okay, and, and, which was amazing. And that experience alone, how special that was. It was my conversation with Gannon. I drove Gannon to the VIP and I had a conversation with Phil on his way to the airport, of course, Rob. And their message to me was just continue to be you and stay on the course because that is what makes you special and different. You know, and I had kind of known that, but to hear it from them, for them to affirm my gifts, and I saw them do that to multiple people, multiple people at the conference. Uh, I remember Phil Handy called out Coach Coop at the camp. said, man, I watched this dude's IG because every time I watch it, I, I learn a new action. I'm like, dude, he just made that man's life. He gave that man his flowers in front of everybody at the camp, in front of the kids, in front of the coaches and training. But I've watched them affirm people's gifts, but for, for them to take the time and do it to me, of like, no, man, the best version of yourself, the best trainer, the best coach, the best missionary pastor is when you are most authentic yourself. And you're not doing it for the numbers. You're not doing it for the likes. You're not doing it for the attention. You're doing it because, man, this is the way God made you. This is your talent, your gifting. You're, you're not trying to imitate anyone else. You're just being you. And stay on that course because you attract who you are. That's what I've heard. Be you because you attract who you are. And so if you feel like you're on your own, I mean, we talk about this. I believe in the law of vibration so much. If I'm riding on this wavelength, it's just a matter of time before other people in that same way we find each other. And that's what happened at the conference in a compounding way was people that were truly committed to being great basketball teachers, humble, wanting to learn, man, they found their way to Louisville that we met up. People that have a passion for basketball or your sport, we had a couple of people there with a soccer background, other backgrounds, that want to use that platform to share the gospel, to make an impact for the Lord, they found their way to, little, to this conference. Or they were on the live stream. Man. We had missionaries from eight countries on the live streams. Especially, and, and that's what happened. It, it showed me to stay on my course. You know, because the law of operation will take place. You will attract into the weed war. You'll have to change or mold yourself into fitting with other people. Like just be who you are, stay in your lane, and then before you know it, man, you arrived solo for years, but now other people call alongside you. And God has a way of bringing those people into their life. That's definitely what I learned uh, from, from one of the conferences. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's just understanding that, especially the basketball community, they love a sense of community. They want, in a sense, of bros weekend on something that we all, we are all together and we're all love the sport of basketball and we love being 
around that. So when people start saying that, I'm like, yeah, that truly is. So it's not even us like throwing in events, like how can we plan like a boys weekend? Because everyone gets away from the day-to-day stuff. They get away from all that and they can actually come in and then just enjoy their time. And obviously they're learning, they're doing that, but they're just having a great experience. And that, you know, we came in and said, hey, we're gonna do a basketball conference, but now I will see it like, it's an experience for everyone to enjoy together and learn from one another. Uh, but I think that experience itself is something I'll take away forever. I think many other people will say the same thing, but how can we keep on doing that? How can we make it more unique? So many different things we're doing for, for this year's conference that we'll be upgrading from last year. So, so much that we've learned, but we're just creating an overall better experience for people. And um, I think people really appreciate that, really appreciate it. It's not about, it's not about us. We have a great weekend as well. And I think all, this, all the speakers had a great weekend and all the input. That's the reason why we're having most of those C people, if not all of the same speakers at the same event, because they loved us so much. They loved the event so much. They loved the people so much. And so, um, yeah, it's creating experience for people and having a good time at the same time. It's the best for everyone. Let me close out this podcast with an announcement. How about we close it out that way? With an, I said that I want to do something that no one has ever done. In 2023, committed to the craft. We're moving into San Diego. And I saved this in my back pocket because, Brian, you can testify to this. Okay, you can co-sign this. If, if I'm capping right now or this is true. I said, I don't want to do this this year, 2022. I want to save it for next year. And this was the trainer's camp. What I was so lit about was I brought all these coaches and trainers into one place. I brought, to me, the, the goals, the big three, into Louisville. And I said, I want the kids that train with me in Oops of Christ and kids from the community and the coaches. They brought their families, so they brought their kids. I want them to be on court with Gann, Rob, Phil, all these amazing trainers. And we did. We ran a two-day camp. It was like a whole other man alongside. But I said, no, the true value and how me and you are going to bring more value next year is we're going to put the trainers on the court with down. Cosign. And I saved that for a full year. So at the Committed to the Craft 2023, we're adding for the first time ever, never been done, almost like a dream camp for basketball coaches and trainers. You'll have a ball in your hands that you're going to be on the court with Phil Handy, Gann Baker, Ralph Folk, Tyler Colson, myself, many other gifted trainers, the whole Deuce brand crew and trainers. And you got to be between them because there's something about hooping, man. We're hooping tomorrow night. So about being between the lines. You connect, you learn, you sweat. When you're training, when you're teaching together, it bonds you in a way that you can't by just sitting in the bleachers or a classroom learn. Like you got to experience what Phil's talking about. You got to experience uh, cerebrally what Rob is talking about with shooting and, and then what Gannon is doing, uh, what others add to it. So I'm very excited about that. That's what Missionary Podcast, baby. All right, man. Bow.